Welcome to DMC Show. I'm your host, Harris Delphino, and joining me today is the owner of Jackson's Body Essentials, Marianne Jackson. Marianne was born with a limb difference, and she's the creator of her full body care products from head to toe, made of natural products from soaps to creams to candles and even stuff for your pets. We'd certainly like to learn more about her and the body care line that she has. But first, let's get to meet Marianne. Welcome to the show, Marianne. Good morning, Aristotle. Thanks for having me on today. This is great. great. Perfect. Okay. Thank you for thank you for being here. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and perhaps share experiences experiences growing up with a limb differences? Sure. So um, I'm a mature amputee. I'm a congenital amputee, which means that I was born missing my lower right arm. Um, I'm 57 years old, so I've been around a while. Um, uh, growing up as a child, I had a you know a great household. Um, babysitter, etc. Um, I wasn't really treated as a person with a limb difference. My my father would he would he would baby me a bit, but I had people around me that I'd say, "Oh, oh, can you tie my shoe?" And they'd say, "Tie your shoe yourself," which was so much better than you know. I learned to do things on my own. Um, growing up as an amputee in the early days was much different than it is now. It wasn't accepted as much. We were, um, we didn't have the benefits that we have now. I don't mean financial benefits, but benefits of um, being more open in public about our our limb difference. Um, it was often hidden away, so you could be you could look normal. Um, I I often you know had prosthetics growing up that that would make me look normal and feel more comfortable. Um, I started out as a young child with a prosthetic. Um, I probably was about a year old, I think. And at that time in Ontario, in Toronto, uh, where we are, um, it was called the Crippled Children's Centre, if you can imagine. I know everybody's cringing with that, and I cringe at that word too. I think that's why I, I, I never use that word. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's Lureview Hospital now, so they have, they have changed that name for sure. But I used to go get fitted and at that time when you would get fitted you would stand on a mat in a big auditorium and they would take pictures of you and you were like this uh, it was it was quite something and you were like this thing this this anomaly sort of thing <laughs> you know they take pictures of you and keep it on file um, so I started out with like a, a little cup hand and a figure of eight harness like a body powered sort of hand um, that grew into a hook um, which was a bit of a weapon when I was a young, young child. I think I, one time my cousin took a toy from me and I hit him over the head with it and I think I knocked him out. And then it was the only time I did that. Um, but it, it sort of grew from there. Um, after that, I got a body powered hand, which we've, we've seen, um, just, you know, a, a generic hand with a glove over top that was body powered. It could open and close. From then I moved on to a myoelectric and I think I was one of the first kids, one of the first kids in North America to get a myoelectric. Um, it was good for me uh, only really to show people how it worked. I think by that stage in life, because I was a congenital amputee, because I had done so much without a prosthetic and used this body powered hook, um, it was hard for me to learn to, I, I, I could do the controls, but I would turn it on and off just to show people how it looked. Um, so, so from then I moved on to uh, later in life into my mid 
20s, I found a doctor called Dr. Pillay that's in France, in Paris, France, and he travels the world with a team of artists. And I got a Pillay hand, which, which it's hand painted to match, to match your other hand. So um, for me, uh, it was really, it was amazing for me. I remember telling my father about it and he, and I said, dad, are you sitting down? I said, it has freckles because I'm covered in freckles and, and to have a prosthetic hand with a generic glove on it that stains everything you touch. It was, it was really difficult as a child. I was there so many times getting a new prosthetic glove. I think the insurance company cut my father off at some stage. So, um, but anyway, he was really thrilled and he said, oh, buy a dozen. And I said, wait a second, are you sitting down to you know, know the cost of it? So we did, we managed to get that. And at that stage, there was no coverage for it. Um, my father was generous and, and bought me that. Um, and and that, that prosthetic gave me confidence. It gave me confidence because I, I looked normal. I fit in and, and people never noticed I only had one hand. And, and so that became secondary and it wasn't, oh, Marianne and she's missing an arm. It was Marianne, you know, the person. And later on, if someone recognized that I had a hand, that I was missing my hand, they would say, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. And, and it's like, no, no, it's, don't be sorry. It's a compliment really. And it's a compliment to the artist because this is a, an amazing hand. Um, I always call it um, passive, uh, it's a passive functional hand because the fingers were flexible, it would help me drive, et cetera. So I could use it um, for function as well. So, um, you know, I went through life with that and, and until I started later in life um, having issues from overuse. Um, overuse is a big thing. And I think as a person missing a limb, we, we will find that as years go on. Um, I, I did go back and get a body powered hand, which has a few great attachments. One you know of, because we do it together, which is golfing and I'm really getting into it and I love it. Um, and I have another um, one, which I've not been using through this COVID time as much. And it helps me do exercises, which is a shroom attachment. And then the hook attachment as well. Um, I had it covered with my favorite material from Liberty Fabrics in London and it's so pretty. So I love to wear it. Um, I do still have my my passive hand that I can wear, but that has become now more of an accessory that if I'm going out getting dressed up, I put it on like a pair of earrings or such. And um, um, I do try to wear when I'm home because of overuse syndrome, I do try to wear my hand, my, my body powered prosthetic at least two hours a day. I think it's extremely important. Um, even if I don't need it, if I'm not doing anything, which is very unusual that I'm not up to something, um, I will wear it because it, it, it will help me. It helps your balance um, and, and it, will, it will lessen the overuse syndrome. So that was a long right. window. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, um, that actually, it's, look, let's go back to the overuse syndrome bit. So can you explain more about the overuse from an upper limb perspective? Right, so overuse is, well, you can think about it like this. If you have two hands, Tie one hand behind your back for a week and give it a try. It, you're going to be sore. Um, overuse, uh, I've had seven different surgeries from overuse. 
I had, now I don't just jump into surgery and a lot of people think that when I mention it, I will do physiotherapy and, you know, everything I can do to avoid surgery, but surgery has relieved the pain. So um, some of the things that have happened are thoracic issues. So um, um, muscle tears, um, tennis elbow, golfer's arm. Yeah. So those are the types of injuries that you can have and pain that you can have from overuse. And you go to see doctors and what do they say? People, they'll say that, well, don't use your hand. So how do you do that? <laughs> you, know, you can't just, yeah, the, the, I mean, I don't know, don't use your legs. They would say to you, don't use your prosthetics then and just sit down, right? Use a chair. Well, that's horrible. And, and you wouldn't want to do that, right? So um, you can't just not use your hands. So I think that how do you avoid overuse syndrome? I think that's the big thing that we need to get out there. Um, we need to, like, one, wear a prosthetic. I mean, I know that all these people say, oh, I don't need it. I don't need it. Do it for it. Get something body powered, whatever you need, you know, get out there and get it. I mean, if you can't afford it, I know there's there's, you know, there's pockets somewhere that can do it, right? Um, you just have to advocate for yourself and navigate that system and you can do it. But I think wearing a prosthetic, I think um, exercising is really important. I think stretching um, is important. Um, those types of things will, will help with overuse. Uh, it's not fun having surgery and having no hands. Um, just sit and and have people do things for you for you it's it's really hard for me to go through that so and i've been through it multiple times you know um recently i had surgery and the best thing that peter and my husband's very um wonderful to me and he adapts a lot of things around the house for me and not not huge adaptions but but things to make it easier for me um the kitchen's a big one because i think he wants to keep me cooking for him so that's a big place he adapts but one of the things he installed was um, a bidet on the toilet these these seats which was great because you lose a little dignity when when you have no hands and you know and someone has to come and you know what i mean so um so that that was a wonderful thing that was installed recently and i've seen a few people on news groups on the single-handed news groups saying you know what do i do i'm going for surgery and i say install that bidet <laughs> you get one of those they're not very expensive because of this covid and shorter toilet paper syndrome now so you know get one of those but yeah it's it's difficult so we we need to we need to learn also to one of the things i've always had a hard time is someone says can i help you no, no, I got this. Don't worry. Well, now I say, yeah, you can, you know, do this. You can do this for me. You can do that for me. And it's hard because of um, my project management background, <laughs> which I was in for many, many years. It's hard to not sound authoritative when I, when I say, you know, and, and giving, assigning tasks. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I try to uh, respond better to that. My husband will say, leave that project management stuff at the door and, you know, sort of thing. But yeah, so I think I think we can uh, avoid overuse, um, especially like the some adaptive things, you know, um, create a workspace in the kitchen, get a get a, a block, a cutting board, put an extra some feet under it, make it a bit higher for yourself. So you're not leaning over with your shoulders and leaning in too much. Um, what else? Oh, my husband installed um, these drawer 
pieces in, on our big pot drawers in the kitchen so I can kick the drawers rather than opening big heavy drawers with my hand. There's so many little things that um, that you can do. One, um, one thing he did recently was um, put tab switches on all our lamps so that I could just flick it with my thumb rather than because those little things turning I've lost a bit of that fine grip over these surgeries so that that was really important so so I'm extremely lucky to have that and you know have this Mr. Fix it locally but um, some people might not have them but a few tips right so so overuse of the other hand is sort of what you've had a lot of surgery on correct I do. I've, I've never had anything well um, a rotator cuff tear on my on my stump side. So I have had that done on that side. That surgery was easy because I with, was without my stump and, you know, and keeping that. So that was an easier surgery. No, you know, painful, but easier for me. But yeah, it, uh, the surgeries, I, I've had multiple. I, I was just thinking, um, you know, with, with the upper body, if you're not using the harness or the body powered, it, it, it makes you really unbalanced, doesn't it? Like with, without the prosthetic on the other hand, you, you're, you're compensating more, kind of like a single, when I was a unilateral amputee, the, the overuse of my right hip, for example, and the yeah. tightness that it gets and, and how it hurts your back and your, your bum because you're using, you're using that good leg, if you will, and right. in your case, your good arm, to support myself and to balance myself, you know, right. I was really experiencing a lot of imbalance in my body. So is that similar then for the upper bodies, what I imagine? It's a very similar. And, and one of the things I forgot to mention from overuse and for not wearing a prosthetic and doing things without is I've actually got um, a plantar's fasciitis that I've been dealing with. And that's, I know that's come from from um, being off balance. And so, you know, I'm wearing orthotics all the time and I've got them in my slippers in the house because we're stuck inside because of COVID. So um, those types of things are, yes, it can go throughout your whole body. I know my back, I'll have to go for massages. I don't go to chiropractors, but I know definitely uh, when I go for a massage, even if I was, they were blindfolded, they would know that I was off balance. I think just by touching me and where the knots are. I so said, I know one thing I recommend to people when I do see on the news group um, with overuse syndrome, and it's a big topic on the news group. So I've suggested on some of these one-handed Facebook groups that they start creating some files with some archives in it, because people ask the question all the time and they've missed the previous, you know, 25 good suggestions. One of the things I do say to people, you know, if um, some sometimes people's surgeries have been delayed because of COVID, et cetera, or they're just really suffering is get yourself a brace, um, like a, a forearm brace and put it on in the evening. So, and, and that's one thing that I would do to stop myself from doing things because I'm super, you know, I'm a type A personality where I'm on the go all the time and I'm always doing things. You know, you mentioned my body essentials and my Jackson's body essentials. Um, I'm either upstairs in my lab crafting that or I'm downstairs with my eight sewing machines, you know, doing that or I'm in the kitchen doing, you know, bread making or, or making dinner, et cetera. So I'm always up to something. So, so putting, you know, putting a brace on, um, relaxing for a bit, those types of things can stop us from overuse syndrome. So those are my tips and advice on that. I want to go back to the Jackson's Body Essentials, which she started making soaps and creams. And like I said, in the introduction, uh, 
even products for your your pets. So right. um, let's 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 get to, let's get into that. So how did you get into uh, making all this stuff? So about seven years ago, I think six and a half years ago, I took a class, a soap making class with my daughter, just a, you know, an extracurriculum thing to do with my daughter. And I really enjoyed it. So from there, I started making soap and the whole house was full of soap. And I thought, well, I've got to start giving this away or I've got to sell it or I've got to do something. Um, I started taking more and more classes in aromatherapy and, you know, and cream making and all sorts of stuff. And it's just developed from there. Um, we have a third floor in our house that was an apartment that that I've taken over and now it's called the lab. So, so everything's created up here. And I have a website, which is jacksonsbodyessentials.com. Um, it's going on hiatus soon because I'll be away. It's been a very busy season because of COVID and I've got a convenient porch pickup or delivery service. I have a few retailers that are selling it, um, mainly in cottage country. So up where we have our cottage. And uh, yeah, so that's how that's developed. I have a, a pet product and I just raised $480 for Dibs Rescue, which is my daughter just got a rescue from them. And uh, I, I did 100% of the donations of my Lulu Paw Butter, which is her other dog is called Luca. Lulu for short. And uh, so that was wonderful to be able to donate. So I think that will help a couple dogs come up from, they bring a lot up from Mexico. So that'll be a couple dogs coming up from Mexico, which is warms my heart. So um, it, it's become more of a full-time event. I had been a long time working as a project manager, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, I think that's something that's close to your heart as well. Um, and I had an opportunity, um, some packages were being offered prior to the pandemic coming in. And I opted for one and I asked for it um, rather than, I wasn't the person that was surprised about it, I asked for it. I was having a hard time keeping up in the workplace in project management, even though the company that I did work for, one of the major banks was really good at accommodations. I found that I would have needed I, I did at that stage have a, a person 20 hours a week helping me with typing and et cetera. I used adaptive technology like voice dictation, but you can't get away from typing and the typing is the worst for me. Um, that has led to many surgeries, that typing and pounding on the keyboard because I, I hit that keyboard with purpose. I think that was in up and away. It was something that was said one time and, and someone said that to me, um, I really do hit the keyboard hard. So using voice dictation, um, but voice dictation is hard to use in an office environment. Someone comes over to you and says, can you send that to me? All of a sudden your email that you've created is being sent because sent is a command, right? So you work from home um, a lot and, and everybody's working from home now, but I experienced that prior to the pandemic. It was just too much to keep up and I had an opportunity in life to, to be able to look for something else. And I, and I probably will, um, you know, when this pandemic's over and we get vaccines or whatever we do get to normal, our new normal, I'll look for a contract, but it'll be something I'm more capable of doing and not multitasking seven different projects in, in that environment. So, um, and so that kind of led me, you know, being a little bit more full time doing my Jackson's Body Essentials these days. So, and and we talked about your lab. So how do you sort of what's a process, I guess, of of deciding? Now, of course, 
guilty that I have actually have many of Jackson soaps (laughs) (laughs) and actually still use one. I actually have a favorite, which I wanted to bring up with you as well. I wonder if I can get this in a lavender smell. So what's the process for the chemistry and all of those things? Right. For soap, soap takes, soap is a six week process. So I don't tend to make the same kind of soap all the time. There are a few favorites that people have, which I will, but I tend to get creative with soaps and I mix all sorts of essential oils and butters and, and, and carrier oils, they're called like, like um, coconut oil or um, butters like shea butter, et cetera. Some additives, some enrichments, like what you just mentioned, like activated charcoal, which is a great skin cleanser and such. So, so I kind of get creative with them. And you'll see that on my website that there's probably, well, a lot is sold out right now, but there's probably 30 different kinds of soap that I have up there because I just get into my lab and I go, okay, what am I going to do today? And, and do it. And then I have some, you know, basic stuff that I make all the time, like creams and shampoo bars and such that, you know, no bottles anymore. You can have one shampoo bar is like, you know, four bottles of shampoo. And why, why fill the earth through that fill that earth through with the plastic. Um, I even use a biofilm, which is made of sugarcane to wrap all my products. So I'm really trying to be eco-friendly as much as I can. So, so that's a bit about the lab. Um, there's a lot of uh, base product I have upstairs here and, and, and things need to be used up because expiry dates come on things. And you have to think about, okay, if I make this product, it's got to last a year with someone too. So you have to look at dates on things, remember, and, you know, get feedback on what works with customers and what doesn't. And, and yeah, and that's how I do it. Right. So will that charcoal be available in a lavender scent? I <laughs> I can do that, but it might be it might be after my hiatus, and then you'll have to wait a six week period. But I will send you an email notification from my site when it's available. Okay. That would be my I I I, I love that soap. I was like, so look at <laughs> that product in the new year, everybody, and we'll offer from this podcast. We'll have to offer a discount for it. Okay. Absolutely, sounds great. No, that's that's why I was thinking. You know, what's the chemical process that you go through yeah, yeah, developing yeah. in your in your lab to mm-hmm. say this will work this way or this will work this way, um, and, and then hearing that it's environment. I know you're you're using uh, sustainable products, and I know yeah. you're you're you know using natural products, and so to add more to that with being environmentally friendly all the way to your wrapper, I think <laughs> is really key. One of the other things that I've gotten from you was the 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 pet. Um, uh, oh, right. yeah the Paul right? Butler, yes right hey, which my dog and I like because again he feels like he's getting a spa treatment and when applying it so he thinks he's getting a massage yeah and I meant to tell you too about my tagline line on my products um, which creates a good conversation my tagline is single-handedly made in Ontario Canada and so people will ask if it's in one of the retail stores that I have what does this mean? Like she creates it by herself and they say, no, no, she only has one hand. And so it, it works really well. So I love that. It's on all my products. I think also putting essential oils in it because a lot of essential oils have antibacterial uh, foundations in them. So I think that that really helps too. So yes, we should get a, a stump butter, which I've made before. We should make that too with some of those essential oils that could help as well for maybe absolutely overnight moisturizer and stuff because I do that at nighttime too I put on my stump I have a put a sock over my stump and I I do that for the nighttime and I'm sure many amputees do that but that's my 
that's my trick for I do I sure do yeah 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 because one of the things I find with my stump is that it gets overly dry because of the sweating and being encased in the in the silicone and the prosthetic so Right. Summer with heat and stuff like that. I mean, I would um, when I went to work in the office, I'd always wear my prosthesis and I could go to the bathroom and take it off and dump water out of the socket and then dry myself off and then put it back on again. And it says because we don't want those farting noises happening, do we? Also, I want to talk about you talked about it earlier. you, You intimidated earlier about the different attachments you have. Right. So I know you bake a lot, too. And you talked about sewing as well. Now, um, you have the shroom. It may perhaps explain to folks what the shroom is and your golf one. Okay. So the shroom is a flexible piece. It's round like a top of a mushroom and it's flexible a bit. So you put it on the end of my body powered prosthetic and you can do push-ups and, and such. And I always had a hard time with sit-ups, but when you have a prosthetic on, and, and then you do a sit-up. It's much easier for people with two hands to do sit-ups. I used to struggle a lot with it. I will say I've not been doing as much of that, more eating during the pandemic. So, so that's, that's that. So I have also the golf attachment and I've really been enjoying the golfing. I've been doing it quite a bit with my husband, who's a very patient teacher. Um, we've golfed together and I plan this year to do the Paragolf um, Canada. I'm going to Uh, or Ontario, I'm going to join and do the lifetime on that one, which I think is a super organization. And I can't wait to get involved with that now that I have a bit more time to do it. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Golfing took, it took a while. I'm golfing. So I'm a right lower amputee and I'm golfing left-handed. So it, it takes time because you have to think about, okay, is the piece in the right position, the attachment in the right position? Like you've got more to think about than just a, a two-handed person when you're golfing. And you know that too, right? There's so much more to think about when you take that swing. Um, so, so, but I'll keep, we'll keep at it. I might not be a pro any day soon, but I sure love getting out there. And, you know, especially courses up north because you've got beautiful wildlife and stuff. And it's a great social thing. And if, and if I can, you and I, if we can inspire, you know, one other person to do this, that'll be great. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I mean, we've gone out a few times this year um, and, and even I've said to you, wow, your golf game has, you know, has improved since you got up to the cottage in the spring. <laughs> I know. I helped us. I think I got on par the first hit when we, when we golfed together and you went, oh, you've been practicing. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, again, to, to the social yeah. aspect of it, it's, I think it's great to, to get, just get that mental break, you know, of sort of just getting a break, especially during COVID. Right, right, right. To just go out there and, and do it and, and be with your friends physically and socially distancing properly, keeping our, our physical distance, I should say, and wearing masks and being cognizant of, of everyone's safety. But yeah, to your point, it's like one sport that we could play during the pandemic. And it's and it's it's a great exercise, too. You know, you're walking well, the golf exercise, course. Yeah. It, well, you know, sometimes the longer courses, we do get carts. But, you know, if you're just doing a quick nine holes, it's it's you know, it, it is good exercise and it's good for your your upper body for those you know for those needing it mm-hmm. yeah good cool. um and then you talked about baking and sewing so can you share us more about that i don't know do you yes. do you sell those sewing as well because i know you've sewed a few things for me no i don't really no sewing is just a hobby um 
I did do some masks for people, but no, sewing is just a hobby. Um, I don't use a prosthetic when I sew. I have a sewing machine. The brand I have has a perfect, it's an electronic sewing. Well, I've got multiple sewing machines, but the one I do have, I always get sewing machines that are stump friendly, that my stump will fit on the buttons. So I feel, well, with sewing, you need to feel, you need to touch, you need to feel. And I get a lot of pinholes in my stump when I sew, but you need to be able to touch and feel. So I tend to not wear a prosthetic because of that. So I, I do, I will get lots of pinholes in my stump when I do it. But one of the things I adapt with it is I have like a work surface, but then I just bought like, um, Ikea has these very inexpensive portable um, ironing boards. I have one of those that I put on top of a normal work surface height and that brings it up a little bit. So I'm not, you know, my shoulder's not going way over and I'm down and, you know, and that's the stuff that hurts a little bit. Um, I'm lucky because I have a spot in the basement where I can leave everything set up. So I, if I've done enough and I don't want to overdo it, then I can walk away and come back to it. So I'm not in a production line sort of thing with that because that'll go to overuse again, right? Um, and cooking, I love to cook. Um, you had Chef Thoron recently and I've taken pretty well all his classes. So I did get a certification in the baking from one of our culinary schools. So it's great fun. Um, one of the things um, being single-handed, I make great bagels and I, I make them around my stump. So, <laughs> so I can perfectly shape a bagel really quickly. So I just wrap the dough around my stump and off it goes. So I think I could even compete with those uh, bagel makers up in Montreal when they do the lines up in Montreal at the uh, bakery. So, yeah. But yeah, I no, Chef, yeah, Chef Thor talked about competing, making rolls. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can do it. Um, he's amazing, by the way, um, and does some really good work. Um, one of the things I did recently too, is my son had a big wedding plan for June 6th. And of course with COVID, it had to get uh, pushed out in July, they were married and I made his wedding cake, which was such a great honor. And it was just a small backyard wedding here in Toronto, but it turned out perfectly. And it was just, it was such a special thing and it was so pretty and it was my first one to do. So I was pretty proud of that. Not only, as far as you guys have heard in the last eight segments, Marion is very active and very busy. And she's talking about going on hiatus to go on a trip. And I know she's a traveler as well. And I believe last year it was, and, and she can tell us more about that, about her trip to India that was quite interesting that she shared with, with me and, and, and the community. So Marianne, can you tell our listeners about that trip to India? Sure. So last year I was lucky enough to go on a two-month trip to India with my husband. Um, he's able to take the time as he has two months off every year, which is really lovely. So um, we went to India, we enjoyed some time in the South. Um, I know a few people that I had worked with up here in Toronto during my project management experience, and um, they were from the South of India in a little place called Fort Kochi in Kerala. And they grew up with someone that had lost one lower leg and then the second was amputated. Um, and this was due to diabetes. And I think it's very prominent there, diabetes. Um, so he had, he was in a home, um, which is a, a wonderful place. And I had arranged to visit with him. Um, Aristotle, you were kind enough to um, donate some things to bring down to him. One of them was a signed magazine, which was great. He really enjoyed that. And um, 
an amputee coalition t-shirt from here in Toronto for the group you facilitate. So that was really wonderful. So I, I went to the home, someone picked me up and brought me there. And I thought I was just sort of going in just to meet him and, you know, have a chat. And I got there and the whole center was welcoming me and had made it into like a day event. So it was really, it was really overwhelming um, to, to go and, and learn the things that in a, in a different country too, to see what's available for them, um, you know, what can be done, et cetera. So I felt that, I mean, it's where he um, wanted to be, but the people that were there were people that had back injuries. So they were permanently in a chair. He is in a chair. Um, he's had some prosthetics made for him, but I think that they just don't fit properly. They're hard, they're big, they're cumbersome, et cetera. So unfortunately he doesn't have the availability of the resources we have here in North America. And, and so he's there. I did raise, uh, I came back and there's a monthly fee for him to stay at this center. And I did raise for six months to allow him to, to start to earn a living and be able to pay for this. Cause there's lots of opportunities within the center to do that. They have a big woodworking shop, etc. cetera. Um, they got a lot of piece work and things like that. So there's opportunity for him to work. So we did um, raise the money to pay for six months for his accommodations there. So um, I've had an update and he is, he is able to uh, pay for that now. So he is slowly, slowly moving towards being self-sufficient, which is great. And maybe one day, you know, living on his own, which would be fabulous. So, yeah, so. Yeah, no, that's good. And, um, and, and so you were saying that a lot of these folks are spinal cord injuries. Were there other uh, folks with the limb difference in that group or just him? No, it was him. He was the only one with the limb difference. So um, that I, I spoke to. So yeah, it was spinal cord injury, but in this place, they actually have, um, you know, they have physio that's available for them, et cetera. So he has like a little room within the place. So it was a really lovely environment. Um, I do do some other work. I have, um, I am an advocate for a peer support worker for the amputee coalition. I don't get called upon as much as a person that has lost a limb. It's hard for me, I you know, I understand, I try to understand what it would be like and I, and I put it towards an experience of death in a way, um, the loss, but I, I can't, I can't, experience that the full experience of it but I but I can offer support so I have gone through that training um, I do have some for for long-term relationships with a few people that are in this area one young lady that I mentor and and she always reaches out to me for things and one of the things she reached out to me a few years ago is was dating because she's at a stage in life and she said was it hard and you know and how was it? And, you know, he wants to do everything for me. And, and she took that offensively. And I said, no, 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 they're just, he just needs to get used to it, you know? And so, so it's interesting and little things, she always comes back to me for these little tidbits every once in a while. So it's, it's right. lovely when she reaches out. Maybe, maybe let's, let's open that a little bit. So um, with you growing up with the Linda friends and then going through that dating cycle, how did you find that? And, well, and then was, being married now yeah. for so long as well? Yeah. Well, well, there was a story. We did something when I met my husband. Um, we were blind date. So it was very interesting because I was in a kitchen making a dinner dinner party and he came in and I was making fresh pasta and I was wearing my, my electric at that stage and I dipped the whole hand in the pasta pot to pull out a noodle. 
And he kind of said, oh, that's interesting. And hadn't been told that I had one hand because the person that set us up didn't really think about it. I was Marianne, you know? So, so, so that was an interesting start. Um, luckily, you know, at that stage, more mature in life that that didn't really matter. But at a young stage, it was in younger life when you were a teenager, it was very hard because, you know, girls were getting boys that liked them, you know, or partners, or we have to be politically correct these days, but, but I wasn't, you know, um, because of, I had a limb difference. It, it wasn't acceptable in those times. So it, it was difficult. Yeah. Now, now with you bringing up um, that person that's, that's um, asking you for little tips, mm -hmm. do you find now with the social media and some awareness, I think because of social media, um, about lip difference and being amputees, do you really see a night and day difference in people and how people ex are more accepting today than they are back then? Or do you oh, think that- so, Yeah, so much, Aristotle. Um, when I was young, it was always, it was, as I said earlier, it was just hidden away. I wore my prosthetic until probably years ago, I wouldn't go out of the house without it. Um, six, seven years now. Um, I would, maybe at the cottage, I wouldn't have it on, but but I wouldn't go out my front door without my prosthetic on. Um, I didn't feel, I didn't want to be stared at. And that's what I felt all the time, because that's how I grew up. Um, when I started having issues with surgery and then not being able to wear my arm because of the surgery, I went, oh, this is okay. I can do this. You know, I can, someone asked you for help and yeah, yeah, you can help me. It's okay. You know, like for instance, if I had my prosthetic arm on and I'm at the grocery store and you know, you have to pack your own groceries these days and carry them out to the car. And sometimes your car is far or whatever. And the cart doesn't go to the car. And I say, Hey, can I have some assistance? Can I have some, someone to help me pack or to the car? And you have your, my prosthetic on that looks, you know, you don't even notice. And they look at me like, well, yeah, sure. And there's no hurry for it. You know, you might wait 15 minutes. Now, you know, when you don't have your prosthetic on and I come through, it's like instant. They pack the groceries. Would you like carry out? And yeah, let's use that stuff. Let's milk it, you know, <laughs> get that. Right, so <laughs> because why not? We need it. You know, we're not, you know, we, we do need it. Right. And so there's the, there's the benefits as well that we could, to your oh, point. Yeah, let's... Benefits, but it, it was, it was difficult. Um, I remember being uh, when I was a child this one's really vivid for me and I was at a store I grew up at a cottage up in Dorset Ontario and I was at a store called Robinson's General Store which is you know the big general store you've probably been there it's a it's an amazing store and it's grown since since I was little when I was little Mr. Robinson used to be the cashier so being in there with my father and the, my dad was a wood you know he's always building stuff and I was over in the toy section and I was looking at all these toys and I guess I had my hook on or maybe no hand, I can't remember, no prosthetic. And I was looking at toys and this woman came by and said, oh, you poor thing. And, and do you like that toy? And I said, oh yeah, and me being like, yeah, I'll have that, I'll have that, I'll have that. And my dad came and he screamed at the woman because the woman had pity for me. And I didn't see that. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get all these toys. This is great. This woman's buying them for me. And I couldn't understand it at all. My father grabbed my hand and off we went and he yelled at the woman and said, you know, he was very angry with her and we walked away, you know, I'm being pulled by my father. And I'm like, why couldn't I have the toys, you know? But that's what it was like way back when, you know, I remember um, hearing stories of my mother. My mother passed away when I was young, but uh, hearing stories of my mother walking me in the pram and someone saying, 
oh, what a beautiful baby. And then they'd see only had one hand and they'd say, oh, you poor thing, you know, and they'd go on and on to my mother and she'd storm away, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's not really a horrible thing. You know, we, we, being born without is people say, oh, you've adapted so well. I've not really adapted. I just kind of do what I do on a daily basis. And maybe I need some adaptive things to do it, but I've not adapted. Right. We, we figure out our own ways. And for you, for example, that's all you've known, right? It's right. not you've known to only have one hand. So that's right. And that's I think all I've that, known. And I think that's what, in a way, what makes me creative, um, my creative side, because I've always had to think outside the box, you know, like I've always had to say, okay, here's the challenge. How am I going to do it? You know, and that probably comes through on the project management skills. I was, I I was just going to add, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's our trouble. It's our problem solving skills, isn't it? Like, oh yeah, for sure. Like, you know, if, and, and people will, we call it in our family, let's pull a Marianne. So if something needs to get done. Let's do it. You know, let's call Marianne and figure out how to do it. Right. So yeah. well, that's it. So do you have any um, tips for, kids coming up in the ranks now, maybe even, you know, even from the small business perspective of being an entrepreneur like yourself, starting a small business and just generally, you know, somebody who may have just lost a hand or, or a child who is born congenitally missing a hand, like right. what would your tips for to them? Um, how about if I just say celebrate your difference? I think that sums it up get support, accept support, um, accept the help as I talked about for, for upper limb, um, wear a prosthetic, try a couple hours a day. I know you might not like it, but do it. We don't wanna do that overuse syndrome. Um, you know, reach out, there's a big community available. I, I wanna put a shout out to you, Aristotle. Oh, you, do thank some, you. you do some amazing things for our community. And I don't think that's um, celebrated enough. So you have a lot of groups that you have and, and you know, join a group. I never had that when I was young. I know there were some um, groups like, um, what is it called? I, I, I'm drawing a blank with the uh, War Amps. War Amps had a group and I was never part of it because my father didn't want me to be that disabled person. So he didn't have me part of that group, but, but join those groups, accept and, and accept the, and share with others. I think that's part of it, but um, more to you that let's say, thank you for you, for all you did you, and oh. that, that you keep doing for us. Oh, thank you. It, no mention required, but, but thank you for that. Thank yeah. you for, for, for mentioning that. And finally, where can, just to remind everybody again, where can we find Jackson's Body Essentials? Oh, it's, I have a website. It's Jackson's, plural, body essentials, plural.com. Great. Jackson's oh. Body Essentials. Yeah. Awesome. Great. I want to thank Marion Jackson for joining me today. Check out Jackson's Body Essentials online. I'll share the link on my website at www.aristotle.com. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or show ideas, please connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at The Empty Show. Until next time, I'm your host, Aristotle Bingo, and this has been The Empty Show on Voices for Ability Radio.